Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest teaches us about becoming a friend of Jesus. Let's make our confessions as a church. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we started a series last week called Becoming a Friend of Jesus, and we may conclude it today or we may not, depending on which way the Lord leads me, but I know that I am at least to do part two. So this is Becoming a Friend of Jesus, part two. We talked about last week, there is a progression in our relationship with the Lord that is laid out in Scripture, and it goes something like this. It charts a path for us to go from loving Him out of gratitude to allowing Him to abide in us to becoming a trusted friend of Jesus. Amen. And even though this sermon is not going to last that long, it's relatively short, this is not a relatively short process. This is a lifetime process of beginning with gratitude that you missed hell. Thank you, Jesus. I missed that place. You brought me out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a solid rock and established my going. Psalm 40, verse 1. Amen. We got to go from that gratitude that we all feel and we all should feel and we always will feel to allowing him to abide in us, to become baptized with the Holy Ghost, just like he commanded, and then allow that process, allow that power to teach us how to abide in him. Amen. And then from abiding in him, we get to the place in our mature relationship where we are a trusted friend of Jesus, where he can confide in us and let us in on some things that we wouldn't otherwise know. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you got born again, you realized just how much Jesus loved you and how much he had forgiven you. Amen. And there was a sense of gratitude that sprung up from within. Amen. First John four nineteen says we love him because he first loved us. It's our impulse to love him because we realize he loved us even before we knew him. We love him because he first loved us. And then Romans 5, 8 says, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, other translations say, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ still chose to die for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I was born, before I ever knew him, he knew me by name. He saw my sin in all of its wretchedness, and he still chose to die so that I could be forgiven, to die so that I could be cleansed of all sin and unrighteousness and become a new creature in him. Amen. And knowing that, as we've already mentioned, produced a sense of gratitude that just bubbled up from the inside. We talked last week about the woman with the alabaster box, how she took the greatest thing of value that she had, and she broke it open before the feet of Jesus. She anointed his feet with oil, amen, and she dried with her hair. She poured out this box, symbolically pouring out her heart before Jesus because she knew she was a sinner and she knew he was righteous. She knew she didn't even have the right to be in his presence. She wasn't even worthy enough to be in his presence. Yet Jesus looked at her. Mind you, she didn't say a word. He said, woman, your faith has saved you. 
Your actions of faith have saved you. You've said enough by what you did at my feet. Amen. Then Jesus told the Pharisee that had invited him to dinner, said, she loves much because she was forgiven much. Amen. Now, some of us, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. It's not who's the best sinner or who was the best sinner. But some of us committed more sin than others. And maybe you're one of those that did a lot of sin, and so you're very, very grateful. But it's really not a matter of degrees because Jesus said it like this. Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't even come close to heaven. The Pharisees, they dotted every I and crossed every T. They were as holy as you could get. And Jesus said, they're not even close. You need a Savior. You need somebody to make you righteous. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And I think we all know people like this woman who were running hard for the devil in one direction. But God got a hold of them and they started running hard for God in the other direction. Amen. We all know people like that. Amen. And I guarantee you, they have a spirit of gratitude everywhere they go. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you've got to allow your gratitude for missing hell to progress beyond just gratitude to allowing Jesus to abide in you. And the first step, the quickest way to get there or to start that journey is to get baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Amen. It is a step that is necessary for you to progress on to maturity for allowing Him to abide in you and you to abide in Him. Glory to God. And why is this important? Well, when Jesus abides in you, you become one with Him and you begin to reproduce His ministry on the earth. Glory to God. Isn't that what we all want to do? Amen. Well, it's only possible when you abide in Him and He abides in you. Amen. Hallelujah. We talked last week about the discussion that Jesus had with Philip and his disciples in John chapter 14. How that the Father abided in him, and as a result, the works of God flowed out of him. Amen? It was a result of his oneness with the Father that produced the works of God in his life. Amen? In the same sense, when we abide in him and allow him to abide in us, that oneness with Jesus will produce the works of Jesus flowing out of our life. Amen. And we begin as a natural or supernatural consequence to reproduce the ministry of Jesus on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 14, verse 10 through 18. We're going to go through this real quick. If you want to get a more detailed description of this whole process that we talked about last week, go ahead and go to the podcast and listen to the podcast before you listen to this podcast. Amen. Jesus said, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father." And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, there's some things I didn't bring out last week that I really want to emphasize this week. Contrary to the way that some people teach this, I do not believe that this passage here is talking about prayer. 
because the subject of the passage is the works of God. And Jesus is saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask, that word there means ask, require, or demand in my name. Jesus said, I will do it. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. We find that out in John 15 and also in John 16. But in John 14, he's talking about doing the works of Jesus in Jesus' name. And Jesus says, when you do that, it will be just as if I was there in person. I will do it. That's why you should never again ask the question, what if nothing happens? Well, it's not on you to make anything happen. Your part is to lay hands on the sick. And Jesus said, if you'll lay hands on the sick, I'll do it. They shall recover. Amen. Glory to God. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, we talked about last week how that at first reading, this verse seems a bit out of the flow. But consider this. The last commandment that Jesus gave to the disciples before he left this earth was for them to wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can read that in Luke 24, 49 and Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. That word endued means clothed. It means to slip into a set of clothes that were specifically designed for you. Amen. Tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you get the power. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you get the power. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, 8. Jesus repeats it. He says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. What's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Signs, wonders, and miracles. So you can be a better witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So with that in mind, the rest of the passage makes perfect sense. If you love me, verse 15, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That word there, comforter, means one that is just like me. Amen. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you. And shall be in you. This is so cool. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm just going to make a transition from being with you physically to coming again and abiding in you spiritually. But it's still going to be me. It's the spirit of Jesus that I will ask the father and he will loose on planet Earth so you can abide in me and I can abide in you. Amen. Speaking of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It not only allows you to abide in him and him to abide in you, but it gives you the tools necessary to walk in the power that Jesus walked in when he was on the earth. Amen. And you can't walk in that power without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry if that offends some of our denominational friends, but it is just a Bible fact. Jesus said, wait until you get the power and don't go anywhere until you do. Why? Because if you go out there without the power, you will not succeed. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But beyond the believer's call that extends to us all to reproduce the ministry of Jesus, there is a specific calling, an individual calling 
that each of us has. Amen? 2 Timothy 1.9 in the New King James Version says, God hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began, and the New King James says, before time began. Amen? Glory to God. I know I quote this verse all the time because it gives me an opportunity to say, before time began. It's so sci-fi sounding. Amen. (laughs) Before time began, he knew you, he called you by name, and he had something for you to do on planet Earth. Amen. Hallelujah. And he has not changed his mind, my wife said. All right, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Most people, they just quote verse 8, but they don't go on to quote the whole thing. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Why were you saved? You were saved because you have a calling. Amen? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Before time began. He had works for you that he wanted you to walk in. Amen? Glory to God. That's just a mind blower. But it is nevertheless true. Glory to God. But we've got to progress from being grateful lovers of the Lord to abiding in Him, to seeking His heart to the point where we become a trusted friend and He confides in us and He gives us specific assignments and responsibilities. Jesus puts it like this, John chapter 15, verse 7 through 16. If you abide in Me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Notice it doesn't say, ask what God wills, and it shall be done unto you. It said, what you will, ask what you will. But if you abide in him, and he abides in you, I'm telling you, his will becomes your will. His thoughts become your thoughts. You're so in tune with him that anything you pray for is right in line with his will, and you're going to receive it. Amen? Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Verse 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. When you abide in Him and His Word abides in you, the Father is glorified, you bear much fruit, and you go from being a believer to being a disciple. Amen? And there's a big difference. A disciple means a disciplined follower. A believer means you just believe Jesus saved you and you missed hell. Amen. Well, you can't stop there. Too many in the body of Christ stop there. They get their ticket punched to the Polar Express. Says, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? Somewhere north of here, billions of light years away, there's a planet called heaven. And uh, it's great to have your ticket punched and know that you're going there. But I would hate to stand before the believer's judgment and have Jesus say, you know, you got born again, but you never took one step down the plan that I had for you. I don't want to stand before Jesus at the believer's judgment and have a Louisiana hayride. All the wood, hay, and the stubble is going to be burned up. I don't want no hayride. I want gold and silver. I want reward. In other words, I'm saying, Lord, I say it in the presence of all these people. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of your will, and I want to do exactly what you call me to do. I want to breathe my last breath and say I finished my course, and I finished it with joy. 
I did what you called me to do. I became the person you called me to be, and I reached the people you called me to reach. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be able to say that. And I want him to look at me and say, yes, you did. Hallelujah. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. When you abide in him and his word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. Believers escape hell, but disciples bear much fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, the greatest expression of love possible for a disciple of Christ is to be willing to lay down your life for your friends. Jesus willingly laid down his life for us, his friends. We should be willing to do the same thing. It doesn't mean he's calling you to be a martyr. It means he's calling you to lay your life before the altar of God and say, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me whatever you will, not what I will. Amen. I lay my life before you. Amen. Use me to do whatever you want to do in my life, to reach whoever you want me to reach, Lord. I declare I will become the man you call me to be so that I do the things you call me to do and reach the people you call me to reach. I know people hear me say that all the time, but it is a good thing to say over yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the mind blower. Verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. In other words, if you call yourself my friend, then do what I've charged you to do. Do what I've called you to do. Do what I've gifted you to do. If you want to be my friend, I want you to do what I called you to do. I want you to do what I created you to do. I want you to be the person I created you to be. It's not too much to ask. You know, your creator is not asking too much if he created you to do a certain thing and he asked you to do that certain thing. You should say, you know what? You created me. You know what you're doing, Lord. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must be willing to lay our life on the line and accept whatever charge, whatever responsibility, whatever assignment he has given unto us. Amen. I said this last week, and I think it bears repeating. You believe God has given you a big vision? Jesus says it's going to cost you your life. In other words, you may not have to die for Christ, but you will have to spend every last breath of your life serving him if you're going to do the thing he called you to do to the degree that he's calling you to do it. Amen? To the level. He wants you not to just bear fruit. He wants you to bear much fruit, and he wants that fruit to remain. Amen. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. I like the way it says it in the message. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. Amen. 
When you become a friend of God, he trusts you enough to confide in you, to let you in on the secrets of heaven and the plans and purposes of God for this world and for the era in which you live. You know, you were born for such a time as this. God put you in this time period because there's something that has to be accomplished by you in this time period. There's a reason we weren't born in the Middle Ages. Because we had a destiny for this era, this time. It's not a lightweight thing. We must do the things that he charges us to do. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Woo. Glory to God. He not only lets you in on the secrets of heaven and the plans of God for the earth, for this era, but he will let you know exactly what your part is in that greater plan. Amen. How you fit in. You ever think about that? Whatever you're called to do, if you search hard enough, you will find what Jensen Franklin calls a kingdom connection. Whatever it is you're called to do, if you look hard enough, if God really called you to do it, there will be a kingdom connection. There will be some way that it advances the kingdom of God. Amen. There will be some way that people are ministered to, that the the people of, of the world are exposed to the gospel and they're saved and filled with the Spirit and delivered and set free and healed. If you find that kingdom connection. This last verse brought me to tears. My wife and I sat on our little love seat and read this together and we both wept when we read it. Verse 16. For you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You see on the slide here that after it says, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, it says in parentheses in the Amplified, as my representative. That is so awesome. Here's what it says to me. I believe Jesus is saying that whatever we ask the Father for in Jesus' name, as Jesus' representative on the earth that is connected to our ministry or our commission on this earth, it'll be given to us without hesitation because we are his representatives carrying out his specific assignments for us. Amen. It means nothing will be held back if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I looked at that facility and I talked to my wife and I said, you know what? I think the Lord wants us to ask him for that facility because I think he's saying, if you'll ask me for it, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Because it's part of what I've called you to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I was going to share on Abraham, but I'm not. We'll save that for next week. I guess there will be a part three. But I want to conclude by sharing an encounter that I had with the Lord where Jesus called me his friend. First of all, on September 23rd of this year, I had a prophetic dream in which Trisha and I were designing a golf course. And after we finished designing the golf course, we looked at each other and said, now that it's complete, it's time to play golf. Now, I don't play golf, and my wife doesn't play golf. 
So I do not know why the Lord used this. All right? That was on September 23rd. On October 18th, I had another prophetic dream in which I was standing in the middle of a giant fairway on a golf course. I was standing in a sand trap that was about halfway to the hole at the top of a steep rise. I looked to the top of the hill, and I saw Jesus walking towards me from the top of the hill. It took a while for him to get to me, but as he got within about 20 or 30 feet, I had an unusual encounter. This has only happened to me a handful of times. I had a vision within the dream. Jesus got about 30 feet away from me, and then he gave me a vision. And I saw myself in the sand trap, and I was trying to get out of the sand trap. And he said to me in the vision, it's not going to be like it was before. You won't get trapped this time. You'll get out, and you'll be able to finish the course. In fact, the vision was this. This is how silly Jesus is. Jesus and I were in the sand trap, jumping up and down and laughing and giggling. And that's when he said, it's not going to be like it was before. I knew exactly what he meant. I knew exactly what he meant. So I had this vision within the dream, and I lost track of Jesus, you know, because he was about 30 feet away. And then I had this vision, and he's in the sand trap with me. When, when I come out of the vision and I'm back in the dream, he's standing right in front of me. He put his hand on my head. And he said, Friend! And I hit the sand like a sack of potatoes. I began to weep and shake uncontrollably. <clears throat> this time I knew I would finish my course and I would finish my course with joy. That's what all the jumping and laughing was about. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. It was a message from the Lord. And I've come to know after studying and meditating that laying out a golf course is a type of laying out the vision as it's revealed to you by the Lord. And then playing golf is actually walking out the vision, you know, uh, in its various stages. You know, driving, chipping, putting, sinking it in the hole, okay, and then going to the next hole. So fairway by fairway, hole by hole, in all the phases of golf, you walk through until you complete the course. And in my case, the Lord said, you're not only going to complete it, but you're going to complete it with joy. Amen. Hallelujah. And I knew instinctively that this course that, you know, my wife and I laid out together was the vision for Faith Life Fellowship. We tried to bring this vision to another place, but it wasn't received. And the Lord said, it's not going to be like it was before. This time, you're going to make it to the top, and you're going to sink that putt. And you're going to finish your course. You're going to finish with joy. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed today's message on Becoming a Friend of Jesus.
If you'd like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again.